Hello there. Welcome to this episode of Force Ghost Conversations. This is your host, Anthony King, and this week, I'm going to take a deep dive look into Andor Episode 9, titled Nobody's Listening. Before we get started, I'm inviting you to join the conversation with us. We can be found on Twitter at Force Ghost Pod. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok just by searching Force Ghost Conversations. Look forward to connecting with you on those platforms. Also, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your listening site of choice. And finally, please be sure to check out our Tee Public store to buy some Force Ghost Conversations merchandise. And without further ado, it's time to gather around the campfire for some Force Ghost Conversations. All right, everyone, we've got a jam-packed episode of Forest Ghost Conversations here. I hope you're excited to get into episode nine of Andor as much as I am. It's it's a real doozy of an episode. I mean, it's just great stuff, great dialogue across the board, and a wonderful middle piece, in my opinion, to what I believe will be a really, really climactic conclusion to this three-episode arc, if you will. Before we get into that and all the spoiler discussions we have some news to run down in the Star Wars galaxy for this week, and even a little bit of Lucasfilm, too. So, let's get into Cloud City Gossip. So first, according to production information, Season 2 of Andor is slated to start filming on November 21st. Now, Season 1 is still airing, and I'm glad that, that new episodes will be here before we know it. And if I had to assume, I would imagine that 2024 is a realistic time frame for the new season to drop. But we will cover new developments as they arise, of course. And if you haven't already, be sure to go check out what remains of Season 1, or what is already released of Season 1, I should say, rather, on Disney Plus at this juncture in time. Also, a new set of character packs for the LEGO Star Wars Skywalker Saga game is available now. The character pack includes minifigs from Obi-Wan Kenobi, Andor, Clone Wars, Rebels, the Lego Star Wars Summer Vacation Special, and the Book of Boba Fett. And I'm certainly going to pick up this character pack as soon as I have more time to play the game. Thank you, grad school, for taking up most of my time outside of this podcast and work. <laughs> I digress. It's a great game. I look forward to playing it very soon here. Now, in book news, we're giving a special happy release week from Force Ghost Conversations to Star Wars The High Republic Quest for the Hidden City. Written by George Mann, this middle grade reader was released on November 1st this past week. So be sure to add this book to your collection as Phase 2 of The High Republic is now in full swing. And finally, a little trailer was released in anticipation of the new Willow series. Uh... This series is less than a month away now, and alongside this little like one-minute special look, we also got an immaculate poster, and that is, of course, on our Instagram and Twitter feed, so be sure to check that one out. So to close out Cloud City Gossip for this week, I want to take a live look at this special look trailer, if you will, and, and you know what that means, folks. It is time 
for a trailer reaction and a very much live one at that. I have not watched this special look at all. I saw it circulating on Twitter and I thought, well, this would be great to just do a quick, quick breakdown of it on Forest Ghost Conversations here, aside from our main episode chunk. And I literally have no idea what I'm walking into here. I just have heard great things from people reacting to it as so. And uh, let's uh, let's let's cue it up here. As you know the drill. If you want to, you can pause the episode here, pull it up yourself. I'm on the Lucasfilm YouTube page. It's called Willow Special Look Disney Plus, and it's a minute long. And and uh, I'm gonna hit play in three, two, one. Let's do a live reaction. Yeah, evil is coming to destroy us all. Willow. <laughs> Hey, Laura Dannon, that's right. Ooh. Oh, they're going to find her. That's interesting. Oh, the brownies are back. Full swing again. Wow. This world is really special, I tell you. Yep. That's around the corner for some, I imagine. But... I think they really got a good sense of the comedic tone here. Good work to John Kasdan for writing this stuff. I mean, this just is exquisite. Yeah. Oh, wow. All these images just really spectacular. All right, November 30th. We're coming up very soon here at the Juncture of Willow. Now, this is really spectacular, folks. I, I thought that that trailer really set a good tone for what the 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 comedic elements of the series will be, hopefully. And the, the fantastic visual elements of it all just really added to this larger world that we know we're going to be diving into over the course of this series. Spoiler alert for everybody at home. I love Willow. This is a series and character that is near and dear to my heart. Wark Davis, of course, is a part of the Star Wars family and will always be a part of the Star Wars family through his many roles across the Star Wars galaxy, but particularly Wicket, the Ewok. Yeah, I, I just, I cannot wait for, for this series at all. November 30th is coming up and we'll be doing all week-to-week -week coverage here on Force Ghost Conversations, so that is pretty spectacular if you ask me. And I'm, I'm going to, Warn you all ahead of time, we will be doing a discussion of the Willow film in anticipation of that series coming out. And I believe we'll also do a look at Willow as a character overall before the series drops, just as a like the ramp up that we typically would do in a podcast before a series came out, right? We did similar things with Obi-Wan Kenobi, Book of Boba Fett, and Andor, of course. So this is just a wonderful time to be a fan of Star Wars, of Lucasfilm, because I believe a little bit of Andor may overlap or just Andor just ends the week before or something like that. So you're certainly going to get multiple episodes of Force Ghost Conversations per week coming your way very soon. That is pretty exciting. So with that, everybody, that is all that I had this week for Cloud City Gossip. We'll be back on the other side of this break with our discussion of Andor Episode 9. 
We'll be right back, folks. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for that special part of this episode you've all been waiting for. It's time for the deep dive look into Andor Episode 9. And this episode is titled Nobody's Listening, which, of course, when you see the episode or when we get to that part of our discussion, it'll be very clear what we're talking about here or why it's titled that. I think that's pretty apt. And just a, a forewarner to everybody, if you haven't seen the episode yet, pause the episode now, pause this episode now, and go watch it on Disney+, Plus, and then come right back to this point in time. Everything beyond this point is spoiler territory, so be forewarned. It's not my it's not my fault after this point. So just get ready for that. And it is time to get really into the nitty gritty of this episode. Episode nine of Andor is directed by Toby Haynes and written again by Bo Willimon. They are returning from the previous episode, episode eight, where they both were the director and writer combo. And of course, Toby Haynes has done the first three episodes of the series as director as well. So he's got his foot in the end or door, if you will. Now, let's just say things are not looking great for Cassian right now. He's literally in a prison that is on water, and he's several levels deep within that prison with seemingly no way of getting out. Or, I should say, at least on his own. The episode starts again with Supervisor Miro interrogating Vix. Now, this scene to me is just utterly terrifying. Her tactics in manipulation and brutality in order to achieve her aims are quite effective. I'm also terrified about the prospects of what Dr. Gorse has put together for the interrogation techniques that they have. Supervisor Miro clearly does not like wasting her time or just the time of the Empire in general, and she ultimately wants the information about Luthen and Cassian. She sees Bix's connection to Cassian as a means by which to make the ultimate leap to Luthen, which they have dubbed Axis because they don't know who Luthen is at this point. And the actress, uh, I believe it's Denise Goff, just did a wonderful job in this interrogation scene with just her stares, her manipulation, the way that she changes her vocal inflections uh, throughout the, the little intro dialogue that she had there. She looks at Bix and she does that incredible eyebrow raise and she asks, are you a fish or are you a thief? And frankly, I have no idea what that line means overall, but I am freaking terrified by it. I'll tell you what. Now, rightfully so, Bix stays quiet and Deirdre does not like that whatsoever. She says, quote, the very worst thing you can do right now is bore me, end quote. But they knew they were going right back to Dr. Gorse nonetheless. It, she even said herself, you're not going to believe whatever I tell you. So what does it matter at the end of the day? And she's like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so they call in Dr. Gorst. And nonetheless, he's going to enact his interrogation device. So we'll see how that plays out as the episode goes on. Back on Narkina 5, Cassian seems to be getting used to the daily work shifts. He makes a smart move as Olaf, the elder statesman of their table, as well as the next person that is slated to be moved out of the prison because he served his shifts has a hand cramp like injury and struggles to keep up production. Now they want to have the most productive, most production overall of the tables in this, in this group in order to get a solid meal for once, right? That's the incentive that they placed in the last episode that if you are the top 
producer of the shift, you actually get some flavor in your meals. And if you're the last, you get shocked, which is not great at all. <laughs> now, Kino Loy is, is, is complimentary of this change in this productive strategy, yet Cassian does not take the credit for the idea. It's humble for certain, but I think he wants to keep his head down. Olaf seems to be struggling mightily, though. And I can only imagine how long he has been in this prison, especially with the re-ups that they did for doubling his sentences and all that stuff. However, I, I think his mental fortitude seems to be slipping. And especially when you're, I think he's like 40, 41, 40 shifts away from, from being done. Yeah, It's almost like you're so close to the finish line that you almost give up along the way, which is, is tragic. Now, continuing with Dr. Gorse, he shares with Bix about how the device was developed that he's, he's going to use on her. It took the dying sounds of the people from Dizon Frey, the Dizonese, as he later called them, as they were massacred by the Empire. And they echoed this sort of choral, agonized pleading as they were dying. The sounds must be horrific because in the story, he shares the Imperial communication officers who monitored this recording were found three hours later in emotional distress in a crawl space in the ship. Now, that's truly frightening, folks. The recordings have then been modified and manipulated to be that of what they believe to be only children to utilize as a torture device for interrogation. Now, I think you can get the sense of some real-world inspiration here. The device is basically a headset that emits the sound into the wearer's ears until they break or tell what they know. And as... Supervisor Mira says, repeat listenings cause the most damage. So, yikes. It, the incentive is certainly to say what you know to begin with. Otherwise, your brain might be fried into, into literal goop. And what's terrifying to me, for the most part, is how calm and, and generally laissez-faire that Dr. Gorst is about this entire scenario. He really lacks the empathy overall to understand what he is putting people through, which to me is the true definition of evil. I have seen the comparisons online to Dr. Joseph Mengele, the quote-unquote angel of death, if you will. He was the doctor at Auschwitz who did horrific experiments on the people within the camp. And of course, any comparison like that alone is quite enough to induce terror within me. Now, the editing of this overall sequence is really cool. The way that that camera zooms in on Bix's eyes. Now, you can really see that she is in tremendous pain as a result. And the actress does a fantastic job in conveying that through her performance. Now, back with Cassian's story, it looks like he is trying to work on an escape plan somehow. I'm not sure how far that carving into a panel tube will get them, but you never know. It also seems like he and some of the other prisoners are keeping track of guard movements do they have boots or not how regular are they seen etc how often do they come down to you know interrogate or or drop off new new prisoners how long does it take for the the lift to go up and down all that stuff now let me tell you folks i will always be overcome with a sense of joy when i see the imperial senate i mean i'm a prequel kid at heart i still have those warm feelings for the republic senate which is now transformed into the imperial senate and it looks to me too that mon mothma is trapped in her own sort of prison if you will she's hindered by the double life that she is leading now i feel for her in these times and she's going to have to make a costly choice very soon here 
There was a neat detail that one can see amidst the seats among the Senate as they turn off their lights to show that they are not interested in what Mon Mothma is saying. And I thought that was a really good, subtle way to show how much of an irritation to this government body that she she is. Now, back on Narkina 5, you get the sense that something terrible has happened on Level 2. Information, of course, across the prison is minimal, but the feeling transmits across the various levels. The power gets cut. Misinformation and confusion is everywhere. Kino Loy is also losing his mind, trying to keep some semblance of order here. He has to believe that he is a worker who just needs to complete his shifts in order to become free. That's how he has made sense of his existence there. I see some real-world resemblances here to, to my time working in a warehouse slash factory. It's, it's kind of similar in how it's the approach is there. Many people were content with their way of, ways of life, earning low wages, working long hours. They just didn't want to change the status quo. They had no interest in it whatsoever. They have agreed that the way of life made sense for them, and they didn't want to challenge it. Whereas others wanted to push for better conditions, higher wages, etc. Now, there's a cost to everything, though, and that stance could lead to difficult difficulties that others aren't willing to take on. Now, for Kino, we will see how this ideology plays out over the course of this episode and beyond. Now, later, Cassian inquires with him as he if, if he has ever thought of escaping, and Kino stays steadfast in his response of no. He's very quick on that draw, too. No. He seems like he has, hasn't even considered the thought of escaping, which I think he probably has at some point. He has 217 shifts left and is doing his best to keep his head low and escape. Cassian shares that he has some, you know, he just shares some hard realities with, with Kino about their existence in this prison. He explains they are nothing to them, at least the prisoners to the Empire. The Empire doesn't care what prisoners say to each other. Nobody's listening, as the episode is titled. He's literally yelling it. Nobody's listening! Each person is replaceable, and they will work them to the bone, serve them for their, pur- you know, serve their purposefulness, and and get a new person in to come do the job afterwards. Cassian just wants to know what Kino knows before he's gone from the prison, so that all that institutional knowledge is not lost on everybody, and they have to start at ground zero again. On Coruscant, we learn that Mon Mothma's cousin has also come to visit. Her cousin, of course, is none other than Bell, the leader of the Aldani raid if you will the connective pieces are starting to fall into place she says that she has been traveling for the last six months bell of course said that and we know that she has been on aldani right the audience knows that uh mon masa clearly didn't know she was where she was at but she knows that she's a part of the rebellion in some capacity she repeats the same line back to mon mothma that cinta told her the rebellion comes first we take what is left i never thought that they would have a familial connection but it makes sense to me overall is a good cover to have to be a spoiled rich girl, quote-unquote. No one thinks twice if they disappear for a while, only to resurface with a lot of you know, shopping materials. They say they would go in on a, on a lavish vacation. Who knows? It, it, they come and go. Now, based on what Supervisor Miro learned from her interrogation with Bix, she's trying to make a connection from Andor to Aldani. As the audience, we know that there is a connection, but Deirdre is certainly getting closer and closer to the truth. and. Oh boy, ladies and gentlemen, we get another breakfast scene with Cyril Karn and his mother, Edie. As soon as you start talking about the return on investment for doing nice things to people we love, then it is a conditional form of love and not unconditional love. So 
take that as you will. This mom, again, proves to be some piece of work, so to speak. Cyril has been promoted, though, and she has been and, and has been doing some extracurricular activities, which are namely spying on Supervisor Miro. It is creepy stuff, to be sure, but they have a really weird thing going on between them that will make for some interesting conversations in the future, I imagine. Their scene together is possibly one of the most fascinating scenes in this series to this point, and I am intrigued to find out more. Now, Mon Mothma calls together a meeting to discuss finances with Tay Colma. The funds need to be prepared or are papered over, which is more troublesome than expected. They also need a loan in order to make the process seem more legit. Take Homo suggests a Chandrillan banker with a treasury relationship, and his name is Davo Skulden. Mon Mothma loathes this suggestion, and she can, she calls him a quote-unquote thug. She she wants uh, you know he wants to meet with her in Coruscant. And I think that Mon Mothma is still trying to protect her quote-unquote good name. At some point, she's either going to have to make a choice to fully be a part of the rebellion, no matter the cost, or continue being Mon Mothma, the defender of separatists and annoyance in the Senate. The, galact- the, the, the time for that, though, is coming soon. Now, for the ISB later, they have a meeting which is of importance to note as a pilot who was captured and is tortured is revealed into saying that you know this this Anton Krie- Anto Krieger is leading an attack on Spellhouse soon, a, a power station, I believe. This is the same person that Luthen tried to get Saw Guerrero to work with at the end of last episode. I don't think that Spellhouse, the operation overall, is going to go well. But that is just my opinion, unless of course the pilot was meant to be captured. But I doubt that was the case overall. Now, unfortunately, Olaf at the end of the episode, he, he he suffers a massive stroke, ladies and gentlemen, that basically leaves him near dead. A medic is called in as Cassian and Kino stay behind with Olaf. The rest of the group goes to their bunks. Now, Kino has this interesting relationship with Olaf since... They've probably been together on Narkina 5 for some time, and Olaf is very close to getting out. Kino is very close to getting out. It's like he's trying to support him because he believes if he gets out, then one day there's a chance for him to get out. And they both represent the idea of freedom being just around the corner, and they're in that final stretch in order to get there. The Doctor basically euthanizes Olaf, though. And in his opinion, the doctor's opinion, I should say, Olaf is lucky because he's going out peacefully. The doctor gives some grave warnings about what is coming and shares that level two was exterminated. Remember, we talked about all that confusion and misinformation. No one knows what's going on in level two, but there's this like definitely something's off across the board. Someone, people know that they could feel that they, they sense that. And that was because they were exterminated. But why were they exterminated, though? We learned from this doctor that an inmate who was, quote unquote, given freedom was accidentally, re, you know, when, let's, let's, let's phrase this correctly here. He was he was, quote unquote, freed from this prison, but they, they're not letting people go in the empire here. Prisoners don't don't become free people again. They just get pushed to another prison just so that people don't know who's who. Right, they're they're trying to keep order and balance. Right, they're it's a it's a 
maniacal system here of control where people mean less than their their value as humans at this point. They have no value as humans, to the Empire at least. Now, unfortunately, this clerical error on the Empire's front means that he was on level four, this, this prisoner, and then upon gaining freedom was replaced in level two, and that information got out in order to keep them from having this massive rebellion on Narkina 5, they just went up and massacred this entire level. And because they, they didn't want that information to get, keep getting out further. Which, unfortunately, in their in the Empire's viewpoint, still ends up happening. But basically, the end result is no one is getting out. They'll be sent to another prison after being, quote-unquote, released. The cycle will always continue. The shifts will continue to work. They're, they're not, there's no light at the end of this tunnel. And for a person like Kino Loy, who has 217 shifts left, can see the end of the tunnel at a certain point. Like He's actually looking at how many shifts he has left on his board. There's no hope. All hope is lost at this point for him. Now, this this realization that overall, though, is the fuel that Kino needs in order to have a dog in this fight now. He's a man with nothing left to lose and responds so keenly back to Cassian's returning inquiry of how many guards there are. Never more than 12, he says. Which means that he's paid attention. He's thought through all of the... He has this information in his head. He's got a plethora of knowledge that undoubtedly the Empire provided to him in order for him to achieve this level of supervisor status that they they had. You know, they... It's part of the Empire's laziness, if you will. The fact that they didn't want to be the ones overseeing all these people. They just kind of want to let them to their devices. There's no way for them to get out, really, unless a, a major drastic circumstance takes place. And that's what happened. That's what basically happens. They've, they've instilled all this knowledge within him and under the guises of you're going to be free one day, he had no inclination whatsoever to fight back with that knowledge. And now, now he has nothing left to lose. He knows he's just going to die in this hole working for the rest of his life, or he's going to die fighting for freedom, or he's going to escape, right? Those are the options placed ahead of him. And the fact he's just like never more than 12, this is, this is like, he's in. He's all in on this now. Now, that is an excellent way to end the episode in my opinion and it sets the stage for what i imagine to be such a climactic third act in this arc i've mentioned this already here but the realization that no one or that one has no value is a powerful position to be in it's basically rock bottom if you will and now these prisoners because he's going to share this information across the across this level here his his group here whatever the cell is that they're in is a it, it's it, they're more likely to band together now more than ever right all these people that may have just been like i'm just here to do my work and job and all that stuff there's none of that now there's there's they're gonna band together here i believe it otherwise they may be spending an eternity working for the empire until they die and that's where we're left off with this episode ladies and gentlemen it's really a pivotal setup piece 
in order to add that final bit for what this third act episode is going to be. Now, maybe there's another setup episode before this, too. And then they just, you know, they go their own or their way after that. But I, I think that the setup here is, is 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 pivotal. They're going I think they're going all in on on uh, making this next episode, episode 10, a escape. I, I'm going to be on the record now saying that. I mean, of course, it could be different and I will accept that. But if I'm speculating responsibly here, that is what I think is coming next week. It's going to be really powerful stuff here. And I, I am so looking forward to that magnificent episode coming our way. What did you think of this episode here? What do you think of Narkina 5? What do you think of the prison system of it all? What do you think of the prison that Mon Mothma is in currently? These are all great questions and things that we'll probably ponder as we continue going on over the course of Andor. But I want to have these conversations with you all at home. And the way to do that is to follow us on our social media channels. We are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. We're also, you know, aside from this podcast, share us with your friends. Let's have these conversations in real life. And then let's continue to grow the proverbial seats around the campfire. Tell your friends about Forest Coast Conversations. Share the show with them. Share a link. Get some Forest Coast Conversations merchandise. Wear it around your neck of the woods. And inspire people to come join these deep dive conversations with us as we talk about the funny, the 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 cozy, the real world of it all. All in this wonderful podcast community that we have set up over the last year. It's hard to believe we're almost celebrating our one year anniversary of Forest Ghost Conversations very soon here. November is the month and it's towards the end of November that we started our first episode and it's just been a fantastic ride along the way. So with that, everybody, that is all that we had for this week's episode of Forest Ghost Conversations. I hope that you all enjoyed this episode and we'll be back Next time, next week, with a brand new episode in the Star Wars galaxy. May the Force be with you, and take care.